Good afternoon and welcome to the Professional Insights Podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us for season three. Thank you for sharing and caring. The listenership is still cruising along really nicely. Uh, we really appreciate all the love. Uh, my name is Brandon Curry. I'm Jeff Collins. I'm Josh Bond. And Trevor Lindy. Or if you see, if you're looking at us on the computer, he is, Josh Bond is actually GC staff. So don't worry. But if you're listening to us in the car, um, it, that actually is here, no, there. So it doesn't really matter. Um, okay. So, and, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe we've crested into our fourth season now. I I was going to say that we? before we even started that we'll <clears throat> we'll oh. we'll start season four once we are back to in person. That's my thought. So the network renewed us. Hey, eh? nice. Yeah. Well, okay. We so we're yeah, season. We're okay, so you want to start season four when we're back to in person? Yeah. Yeah, okay, that'd be nice. Let's that'd just be nice. stick with three and uh, as it's remote, and then once we're back in person, hopefully in uh, in the coming months, next well, time it might be our next one. Yeah. All right. Fingers crossed. Hopefully okay. optimistic, right? Cool. Yeah. We'll do that. Sorry, okay. I was just going by years. I think we we're into the yeah. fourth. Oh, year. Well, then you're yeah, because yes, we're past the correct. April. Yeah. 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 Well, if we've all got both our shots, there's no point we can't really, right? I'm 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 fully vaxxed. You're fully vaxxed. Fully vaxxed. I got one. Your eyebrows fall out for anything one. like that? No, my eyebrows did not fall out. I'm not we're, we're trying to book number two right now. But uh, Bill Gates is whispering sweet nothings in my ear, my friends. Yeah, I've been hearing Rhonda. Okay, did yeah, you, fair enough. Did your penis Lucky. get bigger? 100%. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so I got a question, boys. Uh, this is more directed towards, but Trevor, please jump in uh, from a mortgage perspective and securing financing. But I had a question. So uh, the uh, I'm going to direct this toward Jeff, and then I need Bondo to, to kind of jump in from a legal perspective. Uh, in Niagara, where we are, it is uh, end of June of 2021. We're looking at the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel. We now know it's a light and not a freight train coming at us, which is great. Um, but that being said, real estate is still extremely hot. And I know people are looking to build or looking to try to do a bunch of different things. And Jeff, you're in this, you're in this situation right now. And that is you buy a lot of land. Okay, you buy a vacant piece of land or you buy a land that's been severed or whatever the case may be. Um, what can you do with it? Like, how, how do you know if you can build on it? Like, what are the parameters? Like, can you put some context to that? Because a lot of people, I think, are making emotional, irrational decisions right now just to get into the market or to um, maybe for investments. I don't know. And they're just not, uh, I think they're going to be running into roadblocks and uh, what have you. You want to well, comment they, on that? They, they can set themselves up for problems. And I think of a lot of it, you know, goes back to how the listing agent lists the, the land. Um, the trouble is finding land really right now. If you want to find land that's buildable, that's the biggest issue. And most people first look at MLS to find the land. And just because it's listed on MLS doesn't mean it's buildable. Okay, so there's a lot of steps right. you got to go through to find out if you can build on it first and foremost. Uh, unfortunately, a, a lot of agents or, or people who list it always have the little um, um, disclaimer, um, buyer do their own due diligence to see if they do it. So basically they're stating, don't 
We don't know if it's buildable or not. You go figure it out. You let us know. And if it is, you buy it. If it's not, sorry. You know, and the problem is, like I have a lot of clients right now who are looking for land, and the roadblocks come up with NPCA yes. most prominently because it could be wetland. It could be land that they want protected. It could be land that has a different species in there. And if the NPCA says you can't build there, boom, you're done. Right off the bat. There's, there's no argument. You can't, you can't fight it. You can't do anything. So really, when I have, and I have a ton of clients looking to build, and, and it's actually kind of slowing down right now because the lumber prices are astronomical. So when people look at their square foot price in the build, it's not nearly as realistic as it used to be just six months ago. So now the price has gone up. There's still people looking to build because typically you can build what you want. People like that idea. But it's not as busy as it was before. Um, but people are looking for land everywhere. And, and a lot of people I say, if you want to find land, you're better off finding it off market, as stupid as that sounds coming from an agent, because once it's on the market, it goes for top price. That's what the market does, right? And the problem is there's a lot of people who list land and they list it underpriced as if it was buildable. And some people will jump on it and not put any due diligence in there, which is a big, big problem. They'll buy it, they firm up on it, they do their due diligence then, they can't build and you're stuck in a contract. You can't get out because all the listing agent had to do is say, do your own due diligence. So we're assuming the buying agent will do that or the buyer. And if they don't, too bad, so sad, call dad. You can't do nothing, right? And you're on your way. And and I've been looking for a last like year and a half for land. And quite a few times stuff has come up and we thought it was buildable. We put in an offer where we want a due diligence of 10 business days, which is actually kind of low for what you're getting right now especially in this market, because you're not getting responses like you want. You can't drive to City Hall and get an instant answer. You have to, you know, email and call and whatever. And like sometimes you're a week, two weeks out to get any answers. And that's just not, that's in the industry. The industry is bombarded with business. There's so many builders in Niagara right now. So many people have come down here because it's a hot market right now. But all these people who've been working through COVID since March last year are just burnt out. They're not really responding very quick. They're not getting quick answers. They're not accountable because you can't go see them face to face because most of them are working from home. And a lot of us are working from home too. And it's not as efficient, obviously. But what, when they go through all that stuff and they find they can't do it, what do they do? They put it back on the market and they try to resell it and try to dupe somebody else for it. And it's not the best way to do business. In my opinion, like I think if, if and this is me and, and some agents do that out there, but if you're listing something, you should have done a little bit of groundwork first to find out if it is buildable you know it's it's three phone calls it doesn't take a lot you know you phone the city you find out the zoning you verify what the permitted uses are you phone the mpca and sometimes you've got to phone nagar region if you do those three things you'll know almost right off the bat if it's buildable okay and that's on a particular lot if you're developing land which i'm getting into there's quite a bit more there's a pre-consultation meeting that must take place um but they can give you a good idea if it's buildable or not but a lot of times you won't even know if it's buildable until you dig because you have to find out if there's bedrock down there. If you dig and you find arrowheads, for example, they're shutting you down. If you find a, 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 a funky species of frog or toad, they'll shut you down. There's certain trees that you can't knock over. You know, there's, there's so many landmines when you're trying to build it. It's not that easy. And unfortunately, the way the market is, because it's such an extreme seller's market, people are not looking before they leap. And it's costing them money. It's costing them money, a lot of stress, 
Yep. It's it's making lawyers get some business because it's going to go through litigation so sometime. On, but... on, on that point, on that point, hold that. I got an additional question for you on that. But Bondo, uh, so yeah. the lawyer piece. Yeah. <clears throat> so normally speaking on vacant land, once it's gotten to our attention, it's too late. Okay. Correct. Right. You got lawyer so, approval on there, which you should, which most people don't now. Correct. Um, so if, it, if it's gotten to our point and and we can't give an opinion on the agreement itself, and it's vacant land, they're done. Okay. Right? So, so back, they're, back they're buying to... that piece of vacant land, or they're not closing the transaction, and they're risking a potential suit for not closing the transaction. Okay, so here's a question for you. This happens, you know, um, it, it's happened in every subdivision that I know of, or or has in the past. Uh, Jeff, I'm sure it's happened with you, with your subdivisions down, you know, in Dane city or, or wherever you already have a, a subdivisions already been subdivided by the city. You've already, maybe you've had utilities run, maybe services run, maybe not, or you're in the process of doing it, whatever. It doesn't matter, but the city has approved the site plan. I come in, I buy a strip of land and we all know cities want to jam as many houses or people in there as possible right now to drive up property taxes. It makes complete sense. Um, but then maybe let's say I want to buy um, another piece of an another property right next to it or, or maybe behind it, you know, or whatever the case may be. Um, can I do whatever I want with that uh, piece of property? Or like what, as the builder, like, uh, and I know some builders, I know this happened in Niagara on the Lake with a friend of mine. Uh, they had a two year window to, to build. So they were allowed to buy the lot of land at a premium. Um, and then they had a two year window to build and finish it up. So, uh, the question I'm going to have to Bondo is, is that, you know, not right now, but after Jeff answers, is that even like, does, will that even work in a court of law? And then the second, the two-year window. And then the second thing, uh, Jeff, like, like, can they just go ahead and buy a lot and then do whatever they want with it? Or does it, there have to be a house on there? Like, what, what does that work? How does that look? Well, who, who you asking? <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, Jeff first, then Bond. Well, it all, it all comes down to, is it a registered plan? If it's a registered plan, you can buy the lot, you can sit on the lot. But what you can do on the lot depends on, which is public knowledge, you go to the city, you find out the bylaws for that, and you find out the zoning for it, and it'll give you permitted uses there. Now, sometimes you can get a minor variance and you can change it. So for me, like I'm going through this right now, you get certain lots, and we're buying a subdivision of Ford area, and we've got one in Wellett. Yeah. So we've got, let's call it R1 zoning. There's a lot of zoning that's changing right now, too, where Welland in the last couple of years has changed from like a, an R1 zoning to an RL and, and like there's just different densities of it. So the lot coverage is a big thing. So when you're in the city, you go to the city zoning, you find out what zoning you're in, which you can you can find out from calling the city. When you call the city, sorry, Jeff. Look at the zoning. Then you look at the permitted uses for the zoning. The big thing on there is lot coverage and setbacks. So if the lot coverage is 40%, well, let's just make it easy. It's 50%. And then you have a lot that's 3,000 square feet. That means the maximum lot coverage you can have on that lot would be 1,500 square feet, including the drive or the garage. Okay, so let's say a typical double car garage is about 400 square feet or 20 by 20. 
and then you have 1500 that means your biggest house you can build would be an 1100 square foot footprint so a two-story potentially if they allow that so a bungle let's say for example with a double car garage which would be 1500 square feet that's your maximum on that particular one at 50 percent. but 50 percent is really unheard of 45 is what you typically get maximum well and just went to that in dane city because when we bought the first lots there was 40 percent, and now we're building we found it's 45 percent. and in that lot coverage it includes your house so your foundation your uh, garage and even your covered deck if you have a covered deck that's made with trusses not like a gazebo or anything like that that's part of your lot coverage and sometimes they have a little bit of a, a variance you can have past that that, that shoots past it allowance but in fort erie we're buying subdivisions right now, and they're bigger lots. So we're like, okay, we do bigger houses, but the lot coverage is only 30%. Meaning the house can only be 30% of the square footage of the lot. 30% of the square footage of the lot. So it significantly reduces where we thought we could build up to 2,500 square foot bungalows. We're more likely 1,700 square foot bungalows with double car garages. So this significantly impacts you know, how big of a house you can get, which can impact the, the square footage you do and how much you're getting for your house. But what it does allow and what Ford Erie wants, they want, they don't want a dense population in this particular zoning that we're buying in at 60 foot frontage. But we'll have the same size houses as we had in 40 foot frontage. So now the houses aren't going to be, you know, like five feet apart from each other. They're going to be about 20 feet apart, which is more appealing for the neighborhood. But you can go to, to, to council on a lot by lot basis and apply for a minor variance, which typically takes anywhere from 10 to 30 days to get done. It's not the end of the world. It's something that's fairly common, but it delays delays everything on the bill, you know? So And it's not guaranteed. Long story short, it's up to the city, really, what you can do or can't do. So, Bondo? Yeah, things, things aren't guaranteed with vacant land, right? Because at the end of the day, the municipality has the rubber stamping in terms of what can and cannot be built on the, on the land, right? You've got to get your building permit approved by the municipality. So I can't just go ahead, build a build like build a lot, build a house with Collins, say Collins, I want the lot behind it, right? Because I want a, a bigger, like longer backyard. So my house in the front, and maybe we're in Dane City and we're we're you know 20 feet apart and I want to go back and I buy yep. the lot in behind. I can't just put a, an Olympic size swimming pool at the back on sure. a on a on a lot. Can I or sure. can't I? Why not? Unless there's some kind of restriction in there. It's your it's your land at that point in time. As long as the municipality approves what you're putting on that land. Right? I think as long as it's within the setbacks of the property and, and the zoning for it, then yeah, you could build what you want back there because the pool's not covered. No. Yeah, it's not a I've covered got... property, right? So go for it. No. I I I I know sorry. I know um I know of a property in my subdivision where they bought a exact similar situation. They've got their house on one parcel of land. They own the parcel right beside them, and that's their side lot. No, that's, yeah, of course. That's that's very common. Yeah. But can that person just put a, an Olympic-sized swimming pool in there? As long or as a giant deck? Yeah, or as long as whatever. the municipality approves it, yeah. But they, not they have to get an approval. Not on but do you have to get do you have to get a uh, pre-approval from the city? It'd be wise to look into it just in case. I mean, I, I know, I know, I know. You got to get a pool permit. That I know. That's that's Correct. you know. There's I, that I went through that. So that's regulations, and same with Lindy. Technically speaking, the divide usually is 
A permanent structure you're going to need permission for. A non-permanent structure you won't. Right. Right. So a, a deck times, can be ripped up. That's totally fine. Right. A shed, whatever. Correct. Playground equipment. But I mean, um, at the end of the day, if you want to run the risk of doing something outside of what the municipality permits, then you're rolling the dice, right? If you don't want to check in to see if Olympic size swimming pool is permitted on that other lot and you want to just go and put it in, well, at some point in time, there might be a knock on the door saying, hey, you're not allowed to have that swimming pool there. Right. Well, same thing with the deck as well, right? Like, yeah, this just came up. Say you've got a registered subdivision plan yeah. and your lots are 50 by 100 each, so it gives you 5,000 square feet. Yep. yep. Okay? Hypothetically. And then you've got 40% lot coverage you're allowed to do on that. If someone bought two lots that were abutted to each other, essentially combining them to make them one, so now it's a you know 100 by 100 lot, Yep. Would they be able to do? I wonder if they'd be able to do forty percent of that lot total, so they can make a super house over two lots. My, I would say that you'd have a very strong argument for it. But would the city allow it? Because the city okay. approved approved that plan, knowing density and they wanting the wanting the density to be a certain. They want eventually a house on that lot. Otherwise, they wouldn't have broken it down to fifty by one hundred. They they but, want property taxes. Yeah, technically, it's, they're you know, getting the taxes, right? Yeah. They're going to get the yeah. taxes from the two lots. The fact that there's two dwell one dwelling versus two, maybe they won't get as much. They won't because vacant land isn't worth as much Good. as a house in vacant land. Yeah, but you're you're using the premise of forty percent of the ten thousand square feet now instead of forty percent. Oh no no no! Sorry, uh, I meant I, I I know what you meant in that case. That makes sense. I meant you just do it for extra yard. And oh, the, yeah, the city will not be getting, and they put an Olympic size swimming pool or I put an Olympic, whatever it is. They don't, um, you know, I'm just seeing that quite a bit. I'm seeing that, you know, like, and I'm just like, you know, the city broke it down on that site plan for a reason in the hopes to get a, a house on there to get, to generate property taxes. Um, now if it's vacant land, it's vacant land. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, that can just sit, uh, you know, but, um, but yeah, so, and then to, to, to sometimes Brandon, sometimes because certain severances require certain things to be completed within certain timeframes as well. So if you're dealing with a smaller piece of land, right. And it's just somebody who's got a little strip of land and they're creating three lots, just say by owning the middle one and selling off both sides right then the municipality might put in a condition that you have to have development on that within a certain period of time okay so the municipality can do that but the builder can't well the builder could put a subdivision covenant on it if they sell the land they could say look this part of the deal you got to build within a year like the ones we're building in port cobra right now we have to we have to start within so much time and, and I think part of what that is precipitated by is that you've got to put, Jeff, as you know, you've got to put deposits down for lot grading, yeah. right? And you don't well, get those deposits back is, until all of the subdivisions completed or something along those lines, right? Well, so, yeah, because the biggest thing is the developer has to have the responsibility of all the land and the city doesn't take it over until that subdivision's complete, right? Once that's complete, it's off his hands. He doesn't take care of the stuff anymore, right? 
He's got to top coat all the roads. He's got to make sure the sidewalks are there. He might even have to add trees a lot of times. But he can't do that till the end, right? So that's why so, we're that's going to lead us into to be done by next year. That's going to lead us into another episode because I have I have questions that have come in from from listeners on that as well. Um, so um, just what the builder has to do and, and that kind of stuff. Essentially, so what, what and builder have different responsibilities. Essentially, yeah. Essentially, what we're trying to say though, in terms of what you're permitted to do on your land. If you're in an organized township, essentially your municipality is the ultimate authority. Right. Yeah. Right. And if and you're in knowledge for everybody too, you can just look it up on on whatever city's site. They 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 point it right out everything you can do or can't do. All your setbacks, your lot of coverage, what you can build, permitted uses, it's public knowledge. So you can do your own due diligence as long as you're yeah. looking in the right place, right? So I guess to wrap this up, it's very important to talk to a lawyer and to talk to a realtor prior to making that purchase to make sure that you've done your due diligence and you know what you can and cannot do. Because like, you know, I've ran and I've talked to a lot of clients that are, you know, just pulling triggers on purchases and, and all that. And I'm just like, oh, my God. But ultimately, like the person buying the land can do most of the due diligence by themselves, really. First thing you want to do is phone the NPCA to see if it's buildable. They'll tell you right off the bat. Yep. Second thing, you want to phone the city and confirm the zoning, and you want to do this through emails. As soon as you have confirmed zoning, you can look at the city bylaws, and they'll tell you what you can or can't do there. And, and almost those three things right there will tell you if you can build or not. Yeah, so if right. you phone a lawyer, if you phone the city, they're going to say these are the things you got to do. Sometimes what I'm finding in Fort Erie, there's a lot of lots that are for sale. And they're very small. So they're 50 by 120, you know, 60 by about, you know, one very, very small, but they require a septic system in it. And that's too small. But if you get approval from the region, MAGA region, you can get the exception that you can build on that. So, you know, sometimes the region even gets involved too. So there, there's the NPCA, city, and yes. then um, potentially the region. Most of those things are cover everything you can do to tell you if you can build or not. Yeah. When, when I meant the municipality, I didn't it didn't mean to exclude the the conservation authorities or, right. by any stretch of the imagination. I just meant the municipality. Well, I, know, and, I know through my pool and all in, its in, tentacles, in, right? I know through my pool in 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 my municipality, you know, a city, it's a you know, a incorporated city, I had to go and get approval for the MPCA to make sure that, that I wasn't doing it, even though it had been zoned and it's good to go. I had to go through the MPCA. But anyways, thanks very much, gents. Uh, we're at our uh, over 20-minute mark. So uh, thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Please share, care, uh, send in your questions. They are amazing. Um, Shout out we, to our sponsors, Curry. Brand Boulevard. Brand Boulevard, thank you very much for thanks sponsoring. Lit. And we'll be looking for more swag in Season 4 when we're able to meet in person. All right. I say our swag. Our swag huh? is coming from uh, Collins. There. When do we get Bridge and Corey hoodies? Yeah, yeah. The second lumber prices go back to normal. I'll get you guys all oh, ready. Here okay. we go. He's <laughs> just so full of excuses. I'm for the buyers right now. Hey, hey, Jeff. We're hey, Jeff. A whole episode on lumber. Hey, right Jeff. Now. Jeff. You watch the grays come out and the bags get bigger. He needs earphones, Jeff. Thank, yeah. thank God you were born with brown eyes, because you're so full of shit. Your eyes are fully brown.
Okay. You're more black. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Because you have a black heart. You got a black heart. All right, everyone. <laughs> thanks for listening to uh, our episode. My name is Brandon Curry. Josh, I'm Jeff, Jeff Trevor. Josh Bond. And, and Trevor. <laughs> and then uh, Bondo. Help us help you stay informed. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Hey, 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 hey. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.